0: You are listening to Training Our Minds to Think God's Thoughts After Him, a podcast by Pastor Ben Bessett. WC number 15, we'll be talking about open theism. Understanding the future from the, the open theist perspective, the future can't be set. Because God rules by love. So the presupposition or the commitment that open theists hold to when understanding the sovereignty of God and understanding how he works is God neither decrees all things or, nor does he foresee all things. So in the Reformed position, we believe God decrees all things. Human beings do as they desire. People cannot decree anything that they do. We can just desire to do what we do, but in all actuality, nothing will come to pass unless God decrees it. That's the Reformed position. The Arminian position is God decrees most things while at the same time allowing human free will to choose, and it varies between them, but they all agree that human free will is the ultimate choice in salvation. So he, he ordains most things and he foresees some things. Now, with open theism, what we're going to see here is God neither decrees nor does he foresee all things. Rather, God rules through his divine wisdom as the grand chess master. So, not foreseeing the future, knowing all the possibilities, but not foreseeing it. God, as the grand chess master, master putting everything together as it comes to pass, directing all things. So... According to open theism, if God decrees all things to come to pass, that means humanity is not free. We cannot do anything but what God has determined us to come to pass. So if God decrees all things, which the Reformed position holds, according to the open theist, they have the same objection that the Arminian has, that we're nothing but robots, puppets on a string. So it erodes human personality and it erodes human responsibility we are bound and determined to act according to causal antecedents which existed before we were even born so if our destiny was already written in stone before we came into existence there's no possible way that we as humanity can be free this is what open theism is exposing here in their beliefs so anybody who does not Hold to this, or people who hold to some type of um, divine decree, or even in the Arminian camp, God being able to foresee. Foresight, according to the open theist, is also bounding binding a human being because things must come to pass the way God foresees. So not only are they against the Calvinist who believes that we're determined because all things are decreed by God. But the open theist would also reject the Arminian doctrine of God's foresight because if God foresees what you are going to do, you can do nothing but that, which means you are locked in before you are even born to do what God foresees. And if this is true, according to the open theist, that means freedom is simply an illusion. So if God foresees everything a person will ever do, humanity is not free. They have no choice but to do exactly what God foresees. God knows all things actual as well as potential, meaning God can know all things in the present tense as well as all possibilities of the things that could exist. So this is how the open theist sees God in his divine causality. He knows all things in the present and he knows all possibilities in the future. But he does not know the future for certain because humanity has not yet acted. To allow this unknowingness, to know the possibilities but to not to decree or foresee, is the way human responsibility is free, and it's the way human free will is preserved. God does not know the future for certain, Because humanity has not yet made its free will choice to act. So the understanding of God's sovereignty according to open theism is God has chosen to create a world that gives its people free agency to act contrary to his will. Much of the future is already settled. This explains all the verses Calvinists use to determine and to demonstrate God's sovereignty. So, like I said in the past, we all use the same verses to come to our conclusions. It's the interpretation behind those verses. And how you understand God, your doctrine of God, which is referred to as theology proper, your presuppositions about God and his sovereignty and his divine decree and his causality and the presuppositions of human nature, all of this goes into how we interpret and read And understand scripture. So much of the future, according to the open theist, is already settled, but those verses that the Calvinist will hold to for the sovereignty of God, they claim do not teach the future is exhaustively set in place. So when the Calvinist uses those as proof texts for their position, the open theist will say they're overstating the sovereignty of God. Those verses do not exhaustively set the future. In place. So, like Arminianism, not everything that takes place is according to God's will, according to the open theist. Humanity is perfectly capable of thwarting God's plans, and it does so most frequently. So, rather than diminishing his sovereignty, open theism believes it lifts it higher than classical Calvinism. Because God rules out of love rather than out of control. So God is not a controlling God, he's a loving God. And if God is a loving God, he's going to allow humanity to exercise its free will without coercing them, without forcing them, or without determining them to do what they do. God demonstrates his sovereignty by empowering others to enter into a loving relationship with him. And this is by their free will choice. He demonstrates his sovereignty when, out of love, he puts himself in a position where his heart might be grieved and frustrated. So humanity can have an effect on God. Not so much that he's just able to move God, as the Arminian would say, mobility, but also to affect him. So it takes a God who is truly in control to be willing to give away Some of his control, knowing that doing so might cause him incredible pain. And in the end, God is victorious without being in control of all the details. Again, God being the grand chess master. So, according to Gregory Boyd, an open theist, he states, It takes a truly sovereign God to make himself vulnerable like this. It takes a God who is truly in control. To be willing to give away some of his control, knowing that doing so might cause him incredible pain. It takes a truly wise and creative God to guarantee victory without having to control every detail of history. By contrast, to simply control others so that you always get your way is a sure sign of insecurity and weakness. Now notice what he's saying here. He's saying that the reformed position of understanding God's sovereignty, God who decrees all things to come to pass, is a sign of insecurity and weakness in the mind of God. Now what we say in the reformed position is it is not possible for anything to come to pass unless God decrees it. God cannot deny himself. So if God was going to deny himself and allow humanity to be free, there would be two sovereign wills in the universe. This is impossible for God to do. It definitely makes him a less sovereign God. Remember the difference between being mostly sovereign and completely sovereign is an infinite difference. God cannot withdraw from his infinite sovereign control. That's who he is by nature. The open theist, on the other hand, seeing this as a problem, bringing in more of a humanistic understanding where he can actually affect the emotions of god and by claiming that by god giving up some of his sovereignty makes him more sovereign or more in control or more loving is not the god that the bible teaches so according to open theism as we continue god knows that evils will occur should be singular god knows that evil will occur but not has specifically decreed it into his plan. So God has knowledge of evil, but he has not decreed evil. God governs the world in accordance with his general strategies, which are brought about for the good of his creation. So there's a general sovereignty with God, but not an exhaustive or necessary sovereignty. The details of the consequences are not foreseen by God prior to the decision meaning God does not know all the details that are going to come to pass. Rather, other than controlling all events that take place, God has to plan and respond to his creation. Notice this. God is not not in ultimate control. He decrees some things in a general sense and passively allows his creation to respond back and put him on his heels. To simply control the process and information regarding the future does not require the use of God's virtuous attributes. So what you're saying here is human causality is able to decree and bring to pass things God never wanted to exist, things God did not know for sure in specific detail that would come into existence. So we can see here how the open theist is denying the omniscience of God The all-knowingness of God. The fact that God does not know every detail before it takes place, but rather humanity creates for itself and decrees for itself what the future is going to hold outside of God's complete control. So the understanding of God's immutability in open theism, meaning his immutability, meaning God can't change. So understanding this in open theism is based on univocal predication. And remember the definition of univocal predication is they view God as a link on a chain, the top link on a chain. We are, as humanity, the bottom link on a chain, but we're still part of the same chain. God is just higher than we are. So that's what we mean by univocal predication. So the understanding of God's immutability and open theism is based upon univocal predication like classic Arminianism but to a much larger degree. So what we're going to see here is how the Arminian views God univocally. The open theist also views God univocally, but more of a sense where human freedom plays more of a role in open theism than it does Arminianism, but they're similar. God can change in open theism. He does not have exhaustive knowledge of the future, is not absolutely sure of the actions of his agents and he can change his mind meaning he was going to do something but then humanity responded in a certain way so he changes his mind his will can be thwarted since man has the libertarian free will to defy him and god is made out to be more of a passive agent rather than as he is according to classical Arminianism, but under the same context of liberty and love. So what open theism does is it takes its humanistic understanding and it advances it more further than you would see in the Arminian position. The Arminian holds to human free will. But the Arminian does not hold to the necessary sovereignty of God, meaning God has to decree all things. Arminian believes God decrees most things. But now here in open theism... God decrees in a general sense, which is even less of a sovereign control. And the human free will that the Arminian believes is given more prominence even in the open theist camp. So they're taking Arminianism and they're advancing it on its next steps, more towards a human-centered understanding. So in order for man to truly be free according to open theism, God cannot have exhaustive knowledge of the future. If God knew what man was going to do before he acted, humanity would be bound by that knowledge and unable to do anything other than what God already foreknew. So even the Arminian position, according to the open theist, is too strong because it locks humanity in to what God already foresees happening. The open theist wants to do away with that, and in order for humanity to be truly free, God cannot have exhaustive knowledge of the future. Otherwise, things would have to go the way God foresees. So, open theism believes God is still able to gain victory in the end by planning and responding to his creation out of his infinite love and wisdom. Again, God being the grand chess master, countering the moves that humanity brings his way and ultimately winning in the end. God does not control all things, but is able to organize them in a way where he gets what he desires. Man is able to thwart God's plan at times, but in the end, God ends up victorious. So for this reason, many Reformed theologians claim that open theism is the only consistent option to Arminianism. And what do we mean by that? Since Arminians believe God knows all things, how can man be truly free if God already knows What must certainly take place. So, the Calvinist objection to the Arminians, which I believe is a valid objection, what the Arminian wants to do is limit the sovereignty of God so man has free will choice, at least in the area of salvation. Well, if this is true, and man has free will, and God foresees before the foundation of the world that that individual will never choose him, can the individual ever be saved? And the answer is no. Because God already foresees what he's going to do. So he's still locked in to God's foresight. He's still locked into God's foreknowledge. So it doesn't necessarily ne- remove the situation. It doesn't remove the problem that they try to say that they're correcting from Reformed theology. What the open theist does is he comes along and he says, in order for man to be truly free, see the Arminian believes in free will, but in order for humanity to be be truly free, he can't be locked into any type of foreknowledge of God. He has to be completely separate and free from that. And in doing this, What the open theist now does is he creates that room, he creates that space for humanity to be truly free. They're not locked into God's foreknowledge because God does not have absolute knowledge of the future. So that's open theism in a nutshell. That's the basic understanding of where they're coming from. Now, taking a look at the scriptures that they use to support their position. Like they teach, much of the future is already settled, but those verses do not teach the future is exhaustively set in place. It just is in a general manner, not in an exhaustive manner. So here are those verses that prove open theism. So the open theist will use these verses here. First point. If the future is already settled, how could Jesus ask the Father for the plan of the crucifixion to be changed? Matthew 26, 39 And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And in verse 42, Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My Father, if this cannot pass, unless I drink it, your will be done. So what the open theist does is he takes this verse here, showing contingency, if it is possible. See, if the future was already set in stone, according to the open theist, why would Jesus be praying this prayer? There must be some type of contingency here. There must be some type of space. Where Jesus is able to operate. Jesus is able to pray and say, if it be possible. So if it's possible for Jesus not to go to the cross, why is he praying it? That must mean he has not been determined before the foundation of the world to go to the cross. That it's still open. Otherwise, why would Jesus be praying this prayer? So, would be their first objection. Second one. If the future is already settled... How could God ever regret a decision that he made? Genesis six six and the Lord regretted that he had made man on earth, and it grieved him to his heart. First Samuel fifteen eleven, I regret that I made Saul king, for he has turned his back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And in verse 35, And the Lord regretted that he made Saul king over Israel. So if God is able to regret a decision he makes, he must not know the future. Because if he knew the future, how could he regret it? He would already know it's going to come to pass. Third argument. If the future is already settled, how could God be surprised and expect different results than what took place? We see an example of this in Jeremiah 3, 6 and 7. The Lord said to me in the days of King Josiah, Have you seen what she did? That that faithless one, Israel, how she went up on every high hill and under every green tree and there played the horror. Verse 7 is key. He says, And I thought after she has done all that she has done, she will return to me. But she did not return. And her treacherous sister Judah saw it So verse seven here says, and I thought, God thought something would take place that did not happen. He thought it would go this way, but it went the other way. He thought Israel would return, but she did not return. And in verse 19, God says, and I thought you would call me my father and would not turn from following me. So what we're seeing here is God thinking something is going to take place in one way, But it actually took place in another way, which demonstrates that humanity has a role to play. It has a free choice that God does not foresee, that God has to respond to. So God does not exhaustively know the future. If he did, why would he be speaking like this? Next objection, if the future is already set, why would God test his people to see how they would react? Deuteronomy 8, verse 2, And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments. In chapter 13, verse 3, For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So God is testing Israel to see a specific result out of Israel. If God had foreknowledge of the future, why would he do this? And the last objection. If the future is already set, why does God speak in terms of possibility that things may or may not take place? For example, Exodus 4, 8, 9. If they do not believe in you, God said. Or listen to the first sign. They may believe the latter sign if they will not believe these two signs or listen to your voice. So what we're seeing here is God is speaking to Moses and to Aaron, and he's saying, if they don't believe, then do this. If God had extensive knowledge of the future, why would God be talking like this? Exodus thirteen seventeen, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God is concerned about something here. The fact that Israel could change their minds. If God had exhaustive knowledge of the future, why would he speak like this? He would already know if they're going to change their minds or not. And in Exodus, I'm sorry, Ezekiel 12 verse 3, it says, As for you, son of man, prepare for yourself And exile's baggage and go into exile by the day in their sight. You shall go like an exile from your place to another place in their sight. And notice this word here perhaps they will understand, though they are a rebellious house. Again, language of contingency, language of possibility, not language of certainty. Meaning God does not know the future until humanity acts. He has a general understanding, but not an exhaustive understanding. And for an order, hum- in order for humanity to be free, God has to limit his foreknowledge and his decree and his sovereignty in order for man to be able to make his free will choice. And in the end, God being the grand chess master, working all things out in accordance to how he wants it to go. There's risk involved. God can be hurt, God can be pained, God can be moved, but in the end, God will get what he desires. So this is open theism in a nutshell. And just taking a look at these last set of verses here, how would we respond as Reformed Christians? What is our presuppositional understanding in in our ter- in our interpretation of scripture what are our first principles where do we start from so how would we interpret these verses and what we would say is again we have archetype the- theology which is who god is in his essence and we have ectype type theology theology that god lays out for us to understand In order for us to be able to relate and to communicate with God, he has to condescend. He has to come down to our level and speak to us. And when we see verses like this, if it's possible, unless God regrets, if, this, then, testing you, if they respond like this, these types of words that God uses in scripture is not because God does not know the future. What he is doing is he's relating to his creation so we understand God in a certain way. So we understand God almost like a human would understand another human speaking to one another. There's no way possible for the finite human mind to comprehend the infinite God. So God condescends down to us and talks to us in language that we can understand. Of course God knew all of these things. Of course God knew the outcome. Of course God knew the future. We see from Ephesians 1.11 and everywhere else, many other places in Scripture, um, Romans 11.36, that of him, from him, to him are all things. He decrees all things according to the counsel of his will. Understanding this theology, understanding who God is in his essence and in his nature, and realizing that he has to condescend down to us and talk to us in terms that we understand. Realizing that there is contingency in our decisions. See, this is the hard thing for people to understand. If God decrees all things, then it has to go the way God decrees. There is no choice, but that's not true. Yes, God is completely sovereign, but at the same time, humans have responsibility. Humans have the responsibility of making choices. These choices are real choices. I can either choose to sin or I can choose to listen to God. There's a choice there. But before the foundation of the world, God had already decreed what I was going to do. But he does so in a way that is not forcing us or coercing us in any way, shape, or form. I am freely making a choice to either choose God or not. But whatever choice I make, God has already decreed. But there's still contingency. There's still, if then, in my situation where I do have a choice to make and I'm held responsible for it. So, what the people will ask us, well how can this be true that that can't be true god has to be forcing us in some way and it's not he's not forcing us he's not coercing us i am freely making this choice but at the same time god is sovereign and decreeing all things to come to pass this is where we walk by faith and not by sight human reason is going to come in and say that is not possible human experience is going to come in and say that is illogical so what do we do we take the scriptures and allow them to speak for themselves. Both are true at the same time. And whenever we try to build a bridge between the finite limitedness of humanity and the infinite essence of God, whenever we try to build a bridge between the infinite and the finite, we're always going to be confused. It's never going to work. We cannot build that bridge. The Arminian tries to build that bridge by limiting God's sovereignty to the human free choice and salvation so human has humanity has free will the open theist goes even further by saying in order for humanity to be truly free god can't know the future and we have free will god has a general decree but he does not have an exhaustive decree or foreknowledge of what's going to happen see that's what happens when you try to combine or build a bridge between the finite and the infinite it doesn't work both are true at the same time which is why the Reformed position is that of compatibility. God is 100% sovereign in everything that he does. And at the same time, humanity is choosing to do what they do without being forced or coerced. We're making decisions. We make moral decisions and moral choices every day. We can either do one or choose to do the other. But before the foundation of the world, God decreed absolutely everything that was going to take place. How both are true at the same time, We don't know. This is where we plant the flag of mystery. We don't go beyond this by limiting God's sovereignty so humanity can either move him or so that humanity can even hurt him or so that humanity can be free in its choices without God knowing the outcome. This is what happens when you mix human reason, human philosophy, and human experience together with God's word to try to create an outcome. It doesn't work. We have to allow the scriptures to speak for themselves and submit our human reason to what the text of scripture says. Thank you for listening to the Training Our Minds podcast by Pastor Ben Bessett. If you enjoyed listening, please follow and share this podcast with others. We appreciate your feedback. So leave a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening from. Thank you, and we'll see you on the next episode.